0: Welcome to the clinical research podcast, bringing you the latest developments in research explained by our world leading clinicians, academics and scientists based in Nottingham. However good research is, if it stays in the lab or on a hard drive somewhere, it isn't going to help anyone. And, of course, the reality is that researchers do literally get points for how many people see their publications. But how do you do that? How do you break out of the world of peer-reviewed journals and into the wider mainstream media? This episode is an interview with Rory Kaplan-Jones who was the BBC's tech editor. So he's been explaining complicated stories to mainstream audiences, by which I mean non-technical audiences, for 40 years. Now he's freelance, publishing a weekly newsletter and tweeting about tech, and particularly health tech. He's also been diagnosed with Parkinson's, so unsurprisingly he has a particular interest in its treatment. I met him recently at a conference organised by Health Data Research UK and sat down with him to pick his brains about the care and feeding of journalists, how researchers can get journalists' attention, how to explain complicated, nuanced ideas to journalists and whether being a patient has given him a new perspective. His links and Twitter ID are in the show notes, as usual. So I'm talking now to uh, Rory Keflin-Jones, who's a former tech editor for the BBC who uh, was at a conference I was at last week to do with data, using data within clinical science. And I think one of the things that, that came out there, Rory, was the idea of how people in that sector and, and other technical areas communicate what they're doing. And from that point of view, with your experience, what would you say is the kind of thing that you look for or you would see in a story or a project that they're working on that would pique your interest?
1: As a journalist, um, one was overburdened with information, huge volumes of press releases, uh, um, research reports, uh, PR nonsense coming into one's in- inbox every day. So you were looking for, in the, 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 the first line of the email, basically, uh, the equivalent of uh, man bites dog rather than dog bites man. Um, I mean, explaining what is a story is a bit like asking what the meaning of life is. Uh, every single journalist will will think they know what a story is um, uh, and find it hard to explain it. I mean, uh, when I, and, and, and what's changed over the 40 years that I've been a journalist is in my first job, my news editor always knew what a story was. He would say, my auntie Nellie is not interested in that. Uh, or they're not talking about that down the dog and duck. And you would have to go away and bring him back a new news new story. Now, we've got a bit of an advantage when we're talking to our news, news editor because his auntie Nellie might not be interested. But look what the figures show. We've got, we've got data uh, uh, from online stories anyway, showing exactly... Uh, what people click on and how long they read for. So we have a bit more information. Uh, But what I would say is a couple of very, very simple things. It's got to be novel. Uh, It's got to be engaging. It's got to have a human element. Uh, So that that's all a good start in in selling your story.
0: Just to take those one at a time then. So I think, it's almost a define your terms type question because novel in a sort of scientific context has a very specific meaning and that might not be the kind of layman's meaning it might, there might be something that is technically a novel technique for doing something, but for people outside the field, that might not be a new thing at all, which comes down to thinking about your audience, doesn't it? So understanding it what your audience is bringing to the story or the thing that you're trying to talk about
1: yeah i mean and and obviously, what is a story depends on what is your audience uh, and i've worked generally through my career on big generalist audiences rather than ultra specialist audiences uh, you know a a a a biotech newsletter uh, aimed at the pharmaceutical industry has got a very different audience from you know, the Daily Express, or and that's got a very different audience from the 10 o'clock news. When, when we're looking at novel, just something that hasn't been told before. Uh, uh, and it's got to be engaging as well. Um, uh, you know, it may be a, a new tweak on a drug that might not be interesting. Uh, and a, a, a new drug that has shown promising results. Uh, with a, a key, a key disease, yeah, that 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 will be interesting.
0: In terms of what we were talking about at the the conference last week, had you been covering that more directly as a, as a journalist, what do you think you would have been interested in picking up from it?
1: When you go along to an event like that, and in fact, when you meet any kind of community of of specialist people, um, they speak in a language which is extremely inaccessible to most people and quite often they don't realize they're doing it. So I had to fight my way past all sorts of acronyms. Um, And interestingly, one would see somebody do a presentation on stage and maybe stifle a quiet yawn and then go and have a chat with somebody afterwards who'd done the presentation and find that they would got a really engaging story. with a bit of tension in it too. So, um, you know, we we were being told the story of these data hubs that had been set up and and, uh, how great they'd been and how successful. Uh, And then you went and talked to them and you got a bit of a more granular story, a bit of a more light and shade story of um, the difficulties that they'd had, the tensions, And that was a more arresting story, really.
0: One of the things that I've noticed in talking to, um, yes, clinical scientists, but other people who are primarily coming at things from sort of technical point of view, is that they are often inclined to erase the points of conflict and the points of where things might have gone a bit wrong and had to be saved. And I think that's one of the things that always essentially makes for good drama in a story.
1: and also. It's kind of missing the point, surely, uh, and, and and actually a bit unscientific, is it not? If if you have, um, for instance, done a major trial of a drug, um, and there have been certain hiccups along the way, uh, the hiccups are, are an obvious part of the story and an important part of the story. So you shouldn't just gloss over them. Yeah,
0: I, I mean, I think so. In terms of people being able to understand and kind of follow the the drama of it what i suspect is sometimes going on there is they're thinking oh my sponsor isn't going to like that if i talk about things that didn't quite go right
1: yeah yes um obviously everybody's got various audiences in mind the journalists too Uh, the the journalists will have to be honest possibly right at the front of their mind not not the, the wider audience but the 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 first audience which is their boss their editor and whether this will please them or not.
0: What are the kind of details that you found researchers or other scientists are keen to include in a story that you really couldn't care less about as a journalist?
1: Uh, Too much detail. And can you mention all the names of everybody who was involved with this? Be real. Um, I mean, when I was uh, doing a radio programme, for example, understandably people would be uh a, a bit um reluctant to take all the glory sometimes uh and would say no 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 That there, there were three of us on could, on this project can can we all come on the radio together and you'd have to say no work out which of you is the best talker and we'll, we'll have that one this is partly the journalist's job but uh, a, a job of translation because you know if you looked at for instance the um the raw uh, uh, report, the raw study, clinical study, uh, published in uh, Nature or whatever, um, you'd be sitting there scratching your head as a journalist as to how on earth you were going to turn that into a story. Uh, and that's partly the journalist's job, but one would hope that um, the, the researchers would, would be able to work work out a way of translating it themselves and i will say to people just imagine which they must do you're 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 visiting family or you're in the pub with somebody who does not work in your field just tell them what the story is
0: here i've used that technique quite often and um quite often there's a bit of a silence after you say that
1: well yeah i did i did try that actually with the chief executive of a company not in this field at all and he laughed and he said i said what, what, what do you say about your company explaining what your company does when you go to parties uh, and he laughed and said I don't it's too boring
0: I'm glad I'm not his comms <laughs> person trying to <laughs> trying to do that kind of thing it is an old journalistic trope of how would you explain it to the to somebody down the pub the story that you're that you're trying to get over um one of the things that I've come across as well is that when you're mm. trying when you somebody's trying to explain something very technical to you, and me is a first stop, and I think one of the reasons that not being a scientist helps me in my job is that I'm coming at it without lots of those kind of preconceptions and have to get it explained to me in fairly simple terms but I think what what happens then is that they'll think you don't understand it, this is because you don't have enough data almost a fundamental difference in the way that people's minds work i think i mean I need. I need less but the right stuff and they seem to think i need more
1: exactly yes let's let's talk for another half hour and you'll you'll get it um which is almost never the case
0: if i was a scientist and faced with that idea what's the best way for them to think of what information that people do need what what's the sort of selection criteria for here are the the essence of the story that i need to tell somebody in order for them to understand what i'm saying
1: what they what they don't need to do is go through in huge detail which they would have to do in 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 terms of uh a research paper uh, exactly how we undertook this trial or 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 what this was about um they will need to find a way of getting through that and getting to Uh, the outcomes very quickly Um, and then then we'll need to think about the audience in terms of um, not the audience who will read this especially but the people who might be affected by uh, their discovery the advance whatever Uh, how can they relate it to um, uh, the people who'll be on the receiving end what I was talking about in, 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 in my uh, speech at the data conference was not so much uh, selling something uh, in the first place, but uh, failing, failing to even talk about it until a bad story came along. In other words, not getting ahead of the game. Uh, and I was talking about this uh, huge data collection scheme uh, from GPs, which had gone, um badly wrong and, and put up a headline where it was described as a, an nhs data grab uh and what i was trying to make the point there was if you don't tell your story uh coherently and in good time somebody else will tell it in a way that you won't like so it's not just about how you tell it it's about when you tell it
0: when do you think are the good points to tell it because because again this is uh, something that there are sort of specific milestones along the way that researchers will speak in terms of which might be stuff like when their initial application for funding goes in when it's approved then when they start recruiting and then when they start publishing results all of which can be months apart are they necessarily good points
1: we're not not interested not interested in when you've got funded um not interested in uh, and unless, I mean, to be fair, um, you may, if it's a clinical trial, you may want to be recruiting people to take part in a clinical trial. And that can make a story if if there is enough that you can honestly say about the promise behind this clinical trial. I've just been on a clinical trial about um, the connection between sleep uh, um, uh, a, a kind of genetic modification in the brain uh, uh, and and parkinson's. Um, and i I did write about that, partly because I was involved. But um, also because you know frankly, sleep is a hot topic right now, and almost anything one writes about it um we'll kind of get an audience because there are so many people suffering from sleep problems
0: i suppose that's one of one of the other things isn't it about the the different hot topics that go through obviously for the last two or three years covid has been the one that i know personally it's been relatively easy to pitch stories anything that you can relate to them covid again from a researcher's point of view are there specific ones at the moment that you would say, or are there sort of perennial favourites that are always interested? Is there a way of leaning a story into a particular subject?
1: Well, what's current at the moment? Um, AI is very current at the moment. Stories around using AI in uh, in, in various forms in the in the health field, um, and yes, uh, COVID and pandemic stories still current. Stories about particular. Conditions, um, you know there's a lot of concern and interest about dementia at the moment and whether there are any uh, medical advances there. Um, uh, and you know sadly, you know cancer continues to be a, a huge topic and uh, is in the news quite a lot so uh yeah that too
0: i think some of that comes back to what you were mentioning earlier as well as about what difference does it make to people
1: yeah yeah um sometimes you 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 get presented with um, a piece of research uh and at the end of it you think this is quite a long way from being relevant to individuals it might it might might in in 50 years um (laughs) This is sad, but I mean, there's a lot of work going on uh, into the causes of Parkinson's, um, which is still quite mysterious. Um, and it's quite difficult <laughs> to get people interested in that um, uh, because it seems so far away from, you know, generating uh, a treatment. Uh, it still seems pretty early on.
0: That's like giving you a different insight maybe an angle on what's coming how the world looks to a non-journalist from that point of view
1: well yeah um obviously well i mean journalists try and reach as wide a community as possible but um there are also small specialist communities of which i've become one you know because i've got parkinsons um uh, i know a bit more about that than a, than a, a lot of people and um i'm more interested in a story around that so uh, I, I that that is an introduction to uh, areas that are uh, of huge interest, but only to uh, a small number of people, you know, a specialised community.
0: Do you find that frustrating, sort of, with your patient's hat on more than a journalist? Your your point of view, I suppose, has been, as a journalist, saying this is a story, this isn't, and that might be different for you as a patient, thinking, you know, this, OK, this is a long-term thing that journalists don't care about, but I, as a patient, do.
1: Yeah, yeah. What I'm finding is something rather different, actually. I'm finding there are quite a lot of stories uh, about uh, about Parkinson's, but sometimes when I look into them, they are, to be frank, not very well reported. Sometimes they've been oversold, actually not by the journalists, frankly, but by uh, the press officers who are trying to get attention for the stories. So being having some specialist knowledge, uh, uh, being at the sharp end, as it were, uh, makes one more critical of the coverage, more as ever with journalism. I mean that the, 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 the trouble is, if you, if you really know about something, you will rarely be satisfied with a piece you read in the papers or see on the television, because you'll think they've missed the key the key part or they've got something wrong.
0: Again, you're the one trying to push for more detail at that point, in a way.
1: Yes, yes, exactly. Or, or not not just more detail, but um frankly a more accurate picture you you for instance there are an awful lot of quote big breakthroughs in parkinson's uh, and when you look at a lot of them they're not that big breakthroughs or they are many years from um from coming to to
0: fruition. To come back to the researchers' point of view, having at some point being pitched as a big breakthrough means that they then get a certain amount of attention, which is what the researchers are after. Whereas possibly, if it had been a bit more uh, sober, they wouldn't have got that attention in the first place.
1: That's possible. I, I also think that sometimes, you know, um, there is a bit of a conspiracy between journalists and not the scientists themselves but the people selling the story to kind of hype it up because it's not much of a story if it's small breakthrough in Parkinson's you know you want it to be a big breakthrough um I, I mean I'll give you an example I there was a story about uh wearables and Parkinson's uh, a smart watch that is being used to monitor the symptoms of Parkinson's, and it's very difficult to measure the symptoms of Parkinson's. So I was interested in this. And the story ended up reading in various of the newspapers as everybody with Parkinson's is going to get one of these smartwatches, and it's smartwatches, and it's going to be a tremendous benefit. And I looked at this and thought, really? Um, A, is everybody going to get one? Uh, Because I've not been told that I'm going to get one. And B, is it going to be that big a breakthrough? And then when I talked to the scientists behind the project, they were kind of embarrassed by the quote. The quote had been given by a senior executive in the NHS uh, and it had been massively oversold. Um, So, you know, that's kind of what happens.
0: Go back to how these things are uh, presented. I know that one of the the, the sort of default way in which a lot of researchers are taught to and are used to presenting what they know is the conference presentation, which is a sort of series of slides with graphs and bullet points. And that isn't always the best way to communicate what they've got to say outside of that setting, is it? It isn't.
1: Um, uh, And and a better way is um, if you've got, you know, Something that's going to come up and be in Nature or, 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 or one of these journals um, is to think beforehand about uh, how to boil that paper down into something more digestible, um, and you know, talk it through with with, with the journalist. Uh, a bunch of a PowerPoint is very rarely a good way of doing that.
0: What would you say would be the the elements from a journalist's point of view? What are the, if there was, you've got one or two sentences, the first line of an email or the first couple of sentences in a phone call. What would be the things that you would want to hear covered in that initial pitch? Because that's what it is.
1: Well, it's what you're selling. I mean, what's the story you're telling me? Um, uh, you know, you um, know, Is it a major advance in treatment? Is it a minor advance in treatment? How many people might it help? Um, uh, How does this compare with what's gone before? Um, That shouldn't take too many lines uh, to do. And obviously below you will fill in in much greater depth, but the the first paragraph, um, it's like writing, well, it is like writing a news story.
0: It's what you and I were both trained to do, which would be what's called the inverted pyramid.
1: I think a better way of saying it, of explaining it is uh, looking at the old days of newspapers when um, uh, the, 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 the the printers, the people making up the pages, wouldn't be reading it. Uh, but they would if, if it didn't fit, they would they would cut it from the bottom. So, you know, uh and that's a particular way of writing. There's a news way of writing rather than the feature way of writing. It's not a story where uh, you, you you come to a conclusion and the last line is an arresting conclusion. The last line will be, Mr. Jones is 33. <laughs> Some piece of irrelevance that you've, you've, you've padded it out with. So, um, you know, as you read on, the, the the less relevant material gets pushed down to the bottom. And
0: that's almost the, well, it is the complete opposite of writing a scientific paper, where you start with your literature review and work your way slowly through to the conclusion. That inverted pyramid idea with the cut from the bottom is kind of related to the idea of having a pitch, the idea of an elevator pitch as well, isn't
1: it? An elevator pitch is, it's a classic sort of Silicon Valley term, um, you ha- you happen to get in an elevator, uh, you've got a startup company, and you notice that standing next to you is one of the biggest uh, venture capitalists in Silicon Valley, uh, and you've got uh, however many floors to sell him your story. Uh, and it, it, you don't wanna sell him uh, even a five minute story, you wanna sell him a 30 second story because, that's what you got, and that's a good, good enough discipline. Uh, and to be, to be frank, it's it's only a slightly more sophisticated version of what do you tell your mates when you meet in the pub? Because your mates in the pub are not going to want to listen to a half-hour PowerPoint lecture.
0: I think, I think what it does is, is it makes you foreground what do you want the person who you're talking to to get from what you're talking. It makes you think about your audience a lot more, doesn't it?
1: And let's be honest, uh, m- most people. Um, trying to sell stories, most of the scientists selling stories will won't be selling them direct at first. Anyway, they they will be uh, selling them to their their own communications people, their PR person or whatever, um, who who will then go on uh, at least to make the first contact with the journalist. Uh, And it will be up to the, the, you know, a decent PR person to turn the, the scientists meanderings into a, a coherent press release
0: and that's what my job is which is a beautiful way to come to the end of this podcast thank you ever so much rory i'm sure that's going to be really useful and thanks for your time all right brilliant thank you ever so much all Cheers. Right. Cheers. thanks for listening there are links to the subjects we talked about in the show notes and there's more information about the nihr nottingham biomedical research center on our website which is at www.nottinghambrc.ac.uk. Our email and social media links are there too. To stay up to date with the Clinical Research Podcast, find us on iTunes, Spotify, Google or wherever you normally get your podcasts. The more shows are rated and reviewed, the easier it is for search engines to find us. So if you can subscribe and rate and review us, you'll be doing it for science.